it's Maria Sansone, and welcome to another edition of Mom to Mom, the podcast. I'm so glad you're here today. I found today's conversation so uplifting, so calming, so inspiring. So I hope you will too. Today we talked a lot about purpose. I know that so many of us search our whole lives to find our purpose, but it feels like my guest today knew exactly what she wanted when she was just a little girl. Dr. Onika Williams is a urologic surgeon in Boston by day. She's also an award-winning author, an educator, an entrepreneur, a healer, a storyteller, a positivity catalyst. She has so many things, and her whole mission is to educate, elevate, and empower people to live with positivity, achieve whole health, which is a concept I hadn't really talked much about before, and I love that, and to chase their dreams. Today, she's going to share her story and really the why behind it all. And like I said, I just, I found this so inspiring. Her voice is so calming. There was so much takeaway. And one of the main things was gratitude and how important it is. So without further ado, let me introduce you to Dr. Onika Williams. Dr. Onika, it's so good to see you again. Welcome to mom to mom Thank you so much, Maria. It's wonderful to be here. You have such a cool story. And like I mentioned, it seems like you kind of knew your purpose and what you wanted to do from a very young age. So take us back a little bit to your childhood and how you wound up doing what you're doing now. Well, I was blessed to have my mother, who is a science teacher and was really someone who exposed us to the wonders of science from very early And then I had one of these pivotal moments when one of the girls in my class ripped her earrings out of her ear, was bleeding, and everyone else was running away from her. I was at an all-girls school, and I just found myself going towards her, helping her. And in that moment, I just decided, this feels really good. I felt like I was saving a life. But Mm -hmm. with my 11-year-old brain, I was saving her life. And it it just felt so right. Then from there, decided, you know what? I want to be a doctor. This is how I was going to save lives. I needed to do physics. I was at this all-girls school, and they didn't offer physics. It wasn't available to girls. They had decided that girls just weren't good at physics. Mm-hmm. And so I encountered for the first time this limit that said, because you are a girl, you don't have access. I was blessed to have parents who advocated, teachers who believed that it was possible that I could do it. And so the solution was that I was transferred from the all-girls school to an all-boys school where my twin brother was a student in order not just to pursue and take physics as a subject, but to complete the rest of my education. And that was my start, that dogged determination, that out-of-the-box thinking that here it is, I want to be a doctor, I want to save lives, and the journey to get there was going to be a little bit checkered, was going to have obstacles, but thank God was able through the support of those around me to find ways around some of those obstacles. And that was the beginning of my journey to medicine, and I haven't deviated since then. That's incredible. So you were the only girl at an all-boys school. What was that experience like? (laughs) You know, it was an incredible experience. It certainly defined who I am today. The one good thing I would say is that my parents actually never told me it was going to be tough. They never said in preparation, you know, you are going to be the only girl in this class of all boys. It's going to be tough. You need to be doing this. You need to be doing that. They just said, 
here's the solution, go do it. And so when I entered that first day and stopped at the door, looked around at all of those guys, all eyes strained at me. <laughs> it was one of those moments like, oh <laughs> my goodness, what have I gotten myself into? But you know, what I discovered was that even though we were different, there were so many things that united us. There were so many things that we had in common. We had common goals, common objectives. And I really learned how to navigate through this notion that your differences don't define what you are capable of. Your differences actually enrich the experience. I learned how to set boundaries. I learned how to be able to listen. I learned how to have compassion and curiosity when people thought differently how I thought and to be able to really sit in that place of having dialogue and collaboration. And it was really fun. I have to tell you, being the only girl in, you know, a grade of about a hundred boys, it was kind of like honey to bees. And <laughs> when you talk about something that helped your self-esteem really be on steroids, I mean, it, it was wonderful. We had two girls that joined later because it really did open the door for other girls to then come in and to be able to have access to physics. But it taught me to have a tough skin, to be confident, to be able to speak clearly about what I want and to be able to set boundaries. I had the complete opposite experience where I went to an all girls school and towards the end, towards like my junior, senior year, they started allowing boys in. So I graduated with maybe five gentlemen and the rest were girls. So it was kind of the opposite experience opposite. for them. Yes. Yeah, they had a blast. That. We have some things in common. I'm I, sure. I bet you they did. <laughs> we had fun with that. Um, so you've always been a trailblazer. Now that you're telling me, you know, the specifics of your backstory, it's no surprise that you found yourself in a field that is dominated by men. Yes. What is it? Ten percent of women are in urology, yes. even fewer yes. women of color. So um, yes. you're really a trailblazer in this space. How did you wind up going into that field in particular? What I knew immediately as I entered the operating room during my third year at Harvard Medical School was that I wanted to be a surgeon. And it's one of those things when you are a medical student and you're rotating through various rotations, you find those things that really speak to you, our personalities relate to whatever the particular area is, and you feel just drawn into it. And I felt an immediate love of surgery, the use of my hands. I just love the surgical approach of identifying a problem and then being able to address it right then and there. I love the anatomy. In terms of urologic surgery, that was happenstance that I just bumped into urology as a specialty while I was doing an outpatient surgical rotation. And the intersection between the technical part, the surgical part, but also the medicine of urology, the ability to build relationships with patients who you will follow for many, many of them for the rest of their lives, that you see them grow, you see them change. That was something that was very appealing to me. And I just love the notion that there are so many different subject areas and so many different disease processes that we do deal with in urology. It's a very diverse field. The ways of intervening are very diverse. And so all of those things about urology really spoke to me. And so 
that was literally how I made the decision that urology was going to be the thing for me. And I know that you empower your patients and the readers of your books and things to approach health with a whole look, whole health. Can you explain what you mean by that? What I mean by whole health is this understanding that we are an intersection of many parts, our mind, our body, our spirituality, our intellectual pursuits, our relationships. We are a part that make up a whole. And so if we are going to ultimately be most effective in taking care of those that we are charged to heal, then we have to realize that there, this intersection between how people feel, how they think, impacts significantly on how they actually achieve health outcomes. And so I am very mindful that when I am dealing with a patient's physical concerns, that their overall philosophy, their mentality, their mm -hmm. attitude makes a big difference in how they actually do. In, the, in, in, in their surgery or in whatever their medical issue is, how compliant they are. Mm -hmm. And so I like to meet them right where they are, listening and understanding what are all of the facets that contribute to their physical um, health. And so mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, and intellectual health are all a part of that whole entity. Yes, I couldn't agree more. I picture it like a house, right, with little rooms. Mm -hmm. And you've got spirituality, and you've got your physical health, and you've got your relationships, and you've got your career. And each one of those is just one little part of this big house yes. that creates our whole life. Hey, I want to let you know about this amazing initiative that we are doing with supporting our schools. It's our year-round donation and supply drive. We deliver hundreds and thousands of dollars in supplies to schools in need all across New England. Our partners at Donors Choose have identified some specific projects that you can help fund. So please help us out. And to learn more, go to NBCBoston.com schools. I want to talk about your writing career because you have written, is it seven books? You're probably we're close to it, no, 12. 12. Oh, I've underestimated. And you're probably working on a couple right now as we speak. Um, I want to talk about Dee Dee Dynamo. Let's tell our audience about Dee Dee. Dr. Dee Dee Dynamo is a girl super surgeon who goes around the universe literally saving lives with her gifted hands. And she is an opportunity to integrate the science, the love of science, technology, engineering, art, and math with literacy, with these attitudes of positivity where her tagline is, not even the sky is the limit. And so I conceived of her about 15 years ago. She lives on the island of positivity. So her superpowers <laughs> come from these powers of positivity and her electrical energy. I love that. That's so funny. Just last night, my daughter, my daughter is nine and she is oh, my perfect. little, she is my little sage, you know, she's better than a therapist. She is so oh, wonderful. That's... And I was having a hard time with something and I was sharing it with her and we were just talking about these things and she goes, you know, sky's the limit, you know, actually oh. sky's not the limit because there's so much more out there than just the sky. <laughs> oh my gosh, Grace. I love it. That's she perfect. is so good. So she would love, love these books. Um, oh, without question. Isn't that fun? So not today negativity. 
looks at habits to cope and be healthy in tough times, another book of yours. Um, and I think I really want to get to this because, you know, I feel like you have to build a foundation, a healthy foundation um, before crisis strikes, right? We always <laughs> tend to go looking for help in crisis, but if you can establish a healthy place when you're in common times, I think you can be somewhat prepared for when something bad happens. So you have some tips that you can share <clears throat> to kind of create these healthy habits now. Yeah, and you're absolutely right, because our mindset imprints and it affects how we approach everything. And so not today negativity is this recognition that the habits that we absolutely form make a big difference in how we approach our life. And so from this perspective of positivity and having what I call a process by which you're able to unpack whatever your challenges are. And the first of those habits is gratitude. I mean, gratitude is so incredibly important because I say that gratitude and negativity just cannot coexist. Mm. If you have a gratitude practice that really helps you to unpack whatever the situation is to still be able to see the things that you are thankful for, it does make a big difference. What you believe from a positivity process, if you believe that there is always a solution, that whatever it is that you're encountering, that there is a solution. And a solution is not just an answer. A solution means, in Latin, solu, which is the root of the word, means to untie. So it's the process of untying the problem. And as you untie the problem, you are then able to access resources or to expand your thinking about how it is that you're going to address whatever the challenge. So lots of this is really about a process rather than an absolute answer. And if you begin to train yourself, when you think about the positives and the negatives, are you going to hold on to the negative or are you going to discard the negative? Does it mean that you don't honor the negative experience? You don't sit in it, you don't process it? Absolutely, you must sit and process, like the gastrointestinal tract. We're taking in things that are good for us and not so good for us. Mm -hmm. The body has a system to separate that which nurtures and to get rid of the waste products. And that's the same thing we do in our life. If we have a process and a system, it allows us not to hold on to the negatives which build up inside of us like toxicity. But like you and said, so those it, are the tips. It's, it's like a, it's practice. It, it truly is because yes. our brains, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, they feel like they're wired to hang on to the negativity. We, sent, we hyper focus on the negative things that happen to us. So it's like we've got to train ourselves to focus on the positive. We absolutely do. And I think negativity just is like a spoiled child. It has the loudest voice. And so it captures your attention. But it is just rethinking and reframing. And everything is about how do you reframe. And if you're able to reframe, it takes your attention away from the spoiled child. It's not that more and more, ne more negative things are happening in our lives. There are lots of good things. There are lots of positive things. We, the negativity just has the loudest voice. And so we have to basically say, nope, not today. And it's not to have a negative relationship with negativity. So you're getting all upset and worked up. It is to identify it, to basically be able to be aware and conscious, and then tuck it where it belongs. Yes. Don't feed the beast. 
Don't feed the negativity beast. Let it be. I know that a lot of my listeners and viewers deal with anxiety, as do I. I mean, this has been a common thread since Mom to Mom started years ago. And you were talking about gratitude um, and how positivity and gratitude are, you know, go hand in hand. But it feels like anxiety, and I've heard this, anxiety and gratitude won't coexist right? So if you're, if you're having a happy heart and a grateful heart, it's kind of hard to be anxious in that moment. So is that a good tool for when we're feeling anxious is to kind of think of the things that we're grateful for? I think that in addition to breathing. Mm. So your body, you know, they're, they're just these kind of what we call our autonomic nervous system that has these just responses that become very sort of knee jerk. And so we have to train ourselves to develop, we have the parasympathetic system and the sympathetic system. The parasympathetic system is a system that allows you to rest and digest and take these, just calm down. And so in addition to the thinking, the mindfulness work of the gratitude, if you add breathing to that, what it does is help to calm your nervous system. It helps to bring down the cortisol levels, the mediators that are just revving everything up that just becomes now this little bit of a domino effect. Breathing is very effective to just calm that sympathetic response and bring the parasympathetics into alignment. And so if you do those two things, absolutely, there's a very calming effect. Something so simple, something we do without thinking and that we take for granted, but breathing is so important. So thank you for sharing that. That's going to be very helpful. Hey, have you subscribed for the Hubbub newsletter yet? It is full of recipes, behind the scenes scoop, exclusive content that you're not going to see anywhere else, not even on the show. So go to NBCBoston.com newsletter, drop your email, and you'll receive our newsletter every Wednesday. You pour so much into everyone else. I wonder how someone like you who's writing books and in surgery and doing all these things, how do you take time for yourself? Because I know you know how important that is because that's what you tell your patients, right? That's exactly right. I've gotten more and more intentional over the years. I remember during residency, I would literally live from vacation to vacation. So taking the time to go on vacation with my family, to have time to do the things that I enjoy, laying on the beach, sunshine is a big, big um, activator and energizer for me because I grew up in the tropics. So I take time to plan my vacations and I invest a lot of time um, and effort into making sure that I'm taking time off. I also will do things during the day. I always make sure that at least once during the day, I'm doing something on my self-care chart that helps to fill me back up. And I would have to say that setting boundaries for me has become more and more important and I have gotten better and better at it because you do have this desire to do everything for everyone and being able to set boundaries for yourself to say, no, I can't do that. I need to allocate time to myself. So the discipline of identifying those things that fill you up, I said, these are the positivity pauses, going to the island of positivity where I recharge and reset very important to really just have the discipline to do those little things that help 
to recharge. I'm intrigued by your self-care chart. Is that an actual thing that you have? And can you share some of the things on there? Because we all need some inspiration, some ideas of how we can do self-care. You always hear bubble bath, take a walk, but what else is there? there you might have some good stuff on there. Absolutely. Well, I am one of the things I love is I'm the mnemonic queen. So self-care, I've divided into the different letters in the word self-care. The S is for filling up spiritually. So every morning I will read my daily word. I will you know, listen to prayer or take some time to pray. That is something that helps to fill me. The E is self-expression. And so my writing is a big form of self-expression. I'm constantly jotting things down during the day that come to me. The L is self-love. What are the things that you do to express love of yourself? You do for so many others. You serve, you, you know, take care, you buy food. What are the things we do to love on ourselves? And so I will make sure I'm doing something during the day to love on myself painting my toes, doing my hair, something that makes me feel good about me, to walk without worry. You know, what good is worry? So the F is fearless. What do we achieve by worrying? Does it ever change anything? And so this framing of not worrying is a big part of how I just say, nope, I'm not going to worry about that. The C, taking care of myself physically. So I try to walk, even if it's up and down stairs for five minutes, something that acknowledges that my body as a temple needs to be cared for. The A is awareness, so meditating, mindfulness practices. The Chopra app is an app that I listen to every day. They have usually a five to 10 minute meditation. And so I'll do that and do my breathing. And the R is resting. Now I could get better at that, but I do try to take little periods of time just to sit and just let my mind rest. And then the, the E is just enjoy. What are the things I love doing? I love talking to my friends. I love calling my family. I love traveling. I find the time during the day to do something that makes me laugh and makes me have fun. And so that's my self-care mnemonic. And so I really try to honor, even if I can't get to all eight, that at least half of those things during the day I will do to just fill me back up. Boy, that was more than I bargained for. I'm writing this down. <laughs> Do you mind if I borrow your chart? If we borrow your chart? It's a oh, good absolutely. one. Absolutely. All right. Yes. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. I wish I had more time with you. In fact, I wish you were on my speed dial because <laughs> you are amazing. Yeah. Anytime, anytime. That, and, and I do one of the things that also, I do do a positivity pause every day on my social media channel. So it's another thing that fills me up to be able to spread that positivity and joy. And so you can tap into that. If you need that, pick me up, that little boost, that just reminder of how can you just have a moment to pause, to breathe, and to think about something that adds to you. A positivity pause on my social media channel is exactly what's going to give you that little boost. Fabulous. And as we say goodbye, can you share your social with everybody? You can find me on Instagram at Dr. Onika Williams or on LinkedIn at Dr. Onika Williams. Fantastic. Facebook on the same. So that way we can keep you on our speed dial. We'll have you on our phones yes. all the time. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here today. You are wonderful. Maria, thank you so much, <laughs> as are you. 
right, that's a wrap for this episode of Mom to Mom. Thank you so much to my guest, Dr. Oniko Williams. I so enjoyed this conversation. So uplifting, so inspiring. If you want to hear more episodes of Mom to Mom, there's so many great ones. You can find them wherever you find your podcasts. All you have to do is search for Mom to Mom with Maria Sansone. And if you're in the New England area, you can watch Mom to Mom, the TV show. We are on Mondays at 1130 a.m. on NBC 10 Boston. All right, that is all for me today. I'll see you back here next week for another episode of Mom to Mom. Have a great day, everybody. Mm-hmm.